GalaxyCon Live is the place for you to hear about fandom from the celebrities who bring geek culture to life. Welcome, friends and fans, to another edition of GalaxyCon Live, where we are bringing the convention experience directly to you. And today, we are going back to the final frontier with two captains from two eras of Star Trek, and now is the time for all of you in our chat room to begin typing in your questions for them. Immediately after this session, you will have the opportunity to talk to them directly through our private chat options, as well as shop our selection of personalized autographs, all of which are available now at GalaxyCon.com. So without further ado, let's beam them up. Our first guest is an actress whose incredible body of work has earned her an Obie, a Critics' Choice Award, and three Screen Actor Guild Awards. Her credits include Mr. Mercedes, Gargoyles, and of course, Orange is the New Black. She is also renowned for the role of Catherine, Captain Catherine Janeway, and occasionally Arachnia, Queen of the Spider People on Star Trek Voyager, and will be heard in the upcoming animated series, Star Trek Prodigy. Please welcome Kate Mulgrew. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Patty? I, I am well here in Florida, uh, a, a bubble of, uh, of a sanity in, uh, in a crazy world, but I'm doing okay. And as I've told you're in you, a bubble I'm, of insanity. Yeah, well, I live in Florida, so home of Florida, yeah, man. We were and discussing that, weren't we? <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, yes. How, how are you doing? I'm good. I just came up from North Carolina where I just bought a house uh, uh, in the Outer Banks, which is a beautiful, um, surprisingly beautiful, gentle. Uh, part of, of this country. Uh, but I'm now back in the city uh, because I've got a lot of events going on this week and I'm I'm curious. So I ran out last night and had a long walk just to assess the state of my beloved city. And she is uh, very quiet, very quiet. Ah, very much so. so I, 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 I spent a couple of years in that city as well. And uh, yeah, there's... I think you need to get back up here, Patty. Oh, is that it? Is that an invitation? Can I well, crash you your couch I, for now? I would say this about the great lady that New York is. She will rise again, despite her age, despite her afflictions and her wounds, as she always does. Indeed. It's not a matter of recovery. It is a matter of her soul. And the theater will restore itself and the culture will revive itself. And you should be a part of that. You're a young man. You're full of energy. But don't I wouldn't stay in Florida if I were you. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for calling me young. <laughs> Yes, Indeed. And also, those days. Yes. And, 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 and let me just say this much. Thank you so much for your work on Alzheimer's awareness and research. Uh, you're very welcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it is a, something that has affected me personally in my world. And I, I thank you for being a part of it. A parent? A, yeah. Parent? Yeah, yeah I, I did. I, he, he was, he was towards, towards, uh, towards the end. So. I see. I see. So. I'm very sorry. It's a, it's a terrible thing. Which is why I got involved because I adored my mother. But this is now more. Mm -hmm. Now, on a lighter note, uh, I'm just going to absolutely throw this wacky thing out there. Um, when you take over in a Star Trek role, you probably uh, get really used to quickly seeing people uh, cosplaying as your character. But let me ask this: a couple of years ago, I began to see a fair amount at our shows of red cosplayers. Uh, did you ever see one of those? And what was your reaction? No, I don't. What does that mean? No, your character, your character from Orange is the New Black. I saw lots of I saw lots of young ladies coming to our shows dressed as your character. Red. Yes, isn't that good? Yes, they loved red. They loved red. Um, I, I mean, there's room for. I think when you're talking about a Star Trek fan base, which I believe most of the viewers today are, although I need to be educated about all of this, um, you're talking about people who are uh, smarter than your typical fans. Mm -hmm. It's a very elevated way of thinking. And I think they're attracted to what they espy in their very discerning um, opinions. What is good? What is of quality? What is meaningful? And what will remain? So I think that they um, they sparked to Red as they did to Janeway, because yeah. both of these characters will endure, I hope. I, I absolutely agree, and I certainly hope so. And speaking of Endure, our next guest is an actor and director with over 200 film and television credits that have earned him two Emmys and a Golden Globe. His body of work includes T.J. Hooker, Boston Legal, and can presently be seen on the History Channel series The Unexplained. He is, of course, renowned for his role as Captain James Tiberius Kirk in the original Star Trek. Please welcome back our friend, Mr. William Shatner. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I, too, have a a body of fans that I see they're doddering they're on canes and walkers <laughs> they come to, to to see you know barely oh and uh no it's a 
the the fan base of Star Trek is there in all their enormous numbers, and we're all gratified that 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 is so. Indeed. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, as always, gentlemen and and lady, thank you so much for joining us here at the GalaxyCon virtual stage. Uh, we you. absolutely look forward to the world getting a little bit back to normal, and we can get you back at our stages. And get you I think that's going to be a little while, Patty. It will, Abel, but that's why we have this wonderful electronic format, and we are so glad to have you here. Right, very good. And I will say this much, as a fan of Star Trek, I have to thank you both. Episodic sci-fi is not an easy gig, but you both served your respective characters and created and contributed to this franchise that I hold so dear in my heart uh, as adventurous escapism and futuristic optimism. So, have you been on a science fiction show? Have I? Uh, aren't you? I am. I've, I've done a little sci-fi. I've done a little techno babble. I've done some special effects work and I've done a smidgen of it. And of course it pales in comparison to both of you. So coming as a fan and as an actor, I thank you both for your talents. I thank you both for your professionalism. And I thank you both for your performances. Thank you. You're very welcome. Very welcome. So our team right now is going through the chat room to pull out the questions. In the meantime, I would just love to hear what have both of you found to be the recurring challenges and ongoing rewards of acting, either through Star Trek or through your careers in general? And pause ensued. Mm. Pause filled with the um, reflection of aging actors. Um, Bill, if you want to go forth, do. Well, uh, I, I would say that uh, along with Everything else, clothing, eating, uh, activities, simplifying everything, simplifying the art of performing where you try to get rid of all the unnecessary details, curlicues, and just find a truth and simply go there is... Uh, so what seems to be seems to happen to the artist is getting rid of details and going for the heart of whatever it is your artistry uh, is aimed at, uh, and uh, whether it's uh, right now I'm on horses a lot. I I'm able to get out to uh, ride my horses in the morning. Uh, before I do whatever work I'm doing uh, in the afternoon. And I find that I'm a better horseman now because of the simplification of everything. You don't do, you do less with your body, you do less with your hands, less with your legs. The horse senses you and you sense the horse and everything is simplified. And I find yeah. as a performer the same way, uh, the less you do, the better it is. But that's a learned, learned thing. And probably, uh, uh, when you die, you're saying to yourself, "I didn't need to do that either." Yeah, that's fair. Again, you love your dog, you love your horses, and uh, and you love your dogs as well. <laughs> yes, and I love you, and I love Kate. Oh, I- <laughs> thank you, <laughs> uh, Kate. How about you? I have the opposite experience um, in many ways. Uh, if by simplification you mean relaxation, I do ascribe to that. That is, that is true. But I find that attention to detail is crucial, critical, at least for someone like me. Um, but I'm beginning to um, look at myself as an, I don't know, as an artist, I think, I hope, more than as an actor. Um, It's very hard to review all of those years. I've been an actress for 47 of them and a writer for 10 of those. And they are very different disciplines and very different kinds of uh, satisfaction ensue out of these respective disciplines. So I would say that um, uh, as an actress, it is about uh, being courageous and attention to detail. Well, you know, um, Kate, uh, Elizabeth uh, has been is becoming a better and better chef, uh, mm-hmm. over, especially over this period of time, when you can make a total activity of making a meal. Mm-hmm. And I find the simpler 
the less stuff you add, the more you go for the purity of what it is you're you're uh, cooking, the better the meal tastes to me. Uh, that's symbolic, em- emblematic of the rest of, of what I just said. It's, right. It's, it's probably who you are as a human being. I think uh, we bring to who we are as uh, uh, who we are as human beings to who we are as artists. Um, you and I are very different actors, Bill, and probably very different thinkers. Um, well, I, I don't know if you, I know that you ride horses. I, I think you probably do have another artistic hobby, but I'm not sure I know what it is. Do you, you what do you do? You play an instrument or something like that? Uh, well, I make, I've, I've been doing albums of late. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a Chris, I did a Christmas album, did very well. Did a blues album uh, that got a number one on Billboard. And I'm working on an album now, Kate, uh, that is an interesting uh, part of this. Uh, I'll throw this at you, and I want you to run with it, Kate. I don't want to monopolize the conversation. But this but this album I'm working on is based on um, my life. So it's autobiographical album. So I've got a wonderful poet friend of mine in New York City and a wonderful musician uh, who lives upstate New York. And between the three of us, I'll I'll say uh, this: is What's happened to me? I was uh, when I left home when I was uh, graduated from university, and I was driving a little cheap tiny car from Montreal to Toronto. I had to cross a bridge, and as I'm cro- and I had all my belongings in this little car, and as I'm crossing the bridge, this eighteen wheeler truck is coming at me, and the air it pushed pushed my little car almost over the bridge, almost lost it. And I remember thinking, if I go into the deep, everything I have in the world is in this car and me. It might as well have never been born because I will disappear. I related that to the rest of life, that we're always going over a bridge and there's always an 18-wheeler coming at us. And what we do about surviving, and that's what the song is about. And we've written close to 20 songs. Wow. We've been picked up. Uh, and, and, and it's a glorious activity, uh, uh, totally unique. And that's so that's where one of the things I'm doing. Go ahead, Kate. Good for you. I, I, I don't know how to elaborate on that. That's great. Um, I don't what we were. It's, you know, it's the ongoing dance of the artists and needing to create. And I find that it's changing in me. Um, and I'm, I'm, it's not that I'm unwilling, but I'm in the middle of this third book of mine and I'm actually, um, I'm thinking about this. And so it's hard for me to articulate it well right now, but I will say that I'm, I'm very pleased with the 47 years that I've had as an actor. What's the subject matter of the new book? I really, I can't talk. (laughs) I'm I'm sort of just. You don't want to tell us or it's still not clear to you? No, it's not entirely clear. And it's very, very uh, difficult at this particular moment. It's just that I'm at a, I'm at a juncture and I have to. It will come. It's it's in the oven and it's not at a site where we can just open it up and peek at it yet. Right. Exactly right. (laughs) <laughs> when will we be able to peek at your albums? Will they be released? Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 this year, this coming year, maybe halfway through this coming year. Good, good, good. His, yeah. his, his blues album is, is uh, absolutely wonderful, by the way. Thank you. We we played selections on it previously before. So, uh, so uh, let's see. What... Don't some people have questions? Yeah, I was about to say, uh, what do you see? I think we ran one earlier. So Jude, our producer, if we have questions for our audience, let's go ahead and roll it. And here we go. And this first one comes from Kevin, who once would like to know, what was your reaction when you got cast as the captain in your respective Star Trek series? Well, uh, uh, I was not originally chosen. Jean-Vier Bougeau was the... A uh, wonderful story. Tell uh, me story. Was the first uh, choice... Uh, they, she did not audition. They offered her the role. She's an absolutely brilliant uh, French-Canadian actress. I've been a fan of hers always. Um, and although I, I think I'd been in the running, um, I was well out of it then when they chose her. And I was in Ireland with my young children, and I got a phone call to come back that Miss Bougeot had, for lack of a better way of putting this, defected 
Um, she found the schedule, I think, uh, slightly overwhelming, and she was prescient enough to understand that um, this uh, the rigors would not abate, that this was yeah. the way it was going to be for seven years. And so uh, they brought back in about four of us, and I just sort of knocked it out of the park. I really wanted it, and I belonged to it, and it belonged to me, and Berman winked at me, and I winked at him, and the rest, as they say, was history. Indeed. And it was very good for... I know uh, we've had we've had Garrett on here before, and and he talked. About it. Oh yes, I say I always talk to her. He's retired, Garrett. He's so retired. He mentions, <laughs> does he? Oh yes, Ed. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, guys, I was in that scene too. Remember, remember, guys. But right. uh, I remember he told me at one point they were actually considering giving the role to a male, and he had said that if that had happened, they would have recast his role into for a female actress to sort of maintain the gender balance. So in, in many ways, you've saved his bacon. Oh, yes. In many ways, I did. <laughs> oh, you should answer that question now. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, How did you feel when you got cast as the captain, Bill Shatner? Well, uh, my circumstances were, were different. Uh, I was uh, in, uh, in New York, and I was just finished something, whatever it was. For uh, the people. And they, um, they, uh, NBC didn't buy the pilot of Star Trek. Uh, uh, an actor you may remember, Kate Jeffrey Hunter, good looking, good actor. In any case, he was playing a captain, and um, and the network said, uh, make another pilot and recast everybody. So, with the exception of Leonard they recast everybody and they called me and said, come and see this pilot with the idea of being the captain. And so I flew to New York from New York to Los Angeles. And I saw this wonderful uh, imaginative show that lacked a little humor. It was a little ponderous. So uh, I, I, I suggested things along that line and we made a pilot and it sold that's how I, I came. And thus it began. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill, I remember from your book, uh, Star Trek Memories, uh, one of my favorite stories about that pilot to the other one was that uh, Roddenberry was given an ultimatum. He had to either get rid of the pointy-eared guy who they thought looked like the, like satanic and was upsetting the Bible Belt, or get rid of Major Barrett's character, the female executive officer, because that same audience didn't react well to a female character being in charge at the time. And uh, he chose Leonard's character. And, and Michael Barrett well, uh, became his wife. Uh, and uh, he had to tell her, it's like, I have to take your part away, but I'm giving you another part in the ongoing series. So, But uh, but Kevin, thank you. Great question. I'm taking the part away, but I'm going to marry you. Which do you prefer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as a ticket of man. Just like a man. <laughs> but, but indicative, though, of, yeah, that, that situation. And then, you know, Kate, of course, is, is, is the, the benchmark of the evolution of the series. And I think sensibilities in the country as well. So, Kevin, thank you. Great question to start us off with. What do we have next? And from Christina, what qualities do you need to be a leader? <clears throat> you need honesty. Empathy, emotional intelligence, wit, meaning fast on your feet, and a kind of irreverent passion for your particular science, which in this case was being lost in the Delta Quadrant. I think Janeway secretly loved that moment that she got lost. She was first and foremost a scientist, and they are inherent explorers. So. Those are the qualities. Love, really love, important. Love of crew, love of of the passion. I, I, I would absolutely concur. In the very first episode, Janeway just says, we are explorers and this is an opportunity and we're going to get home, but we are going to explore and take back every bit of knowledge that we can back to back to the Federation. And that was her mantra at all times. Well, the mistake one can make about talking about leadership is to think, of uh, a noble leader, Shakespearean in quality, intelligent, you know, among the best of uh, 
of, uh, of the human qualities. But frequently, uh, a leader uh, has only lies and uh, a subterfuge and, uh, uh, and, and the quality that I think every leader, good or bad, has to have. And that is passion. So uh, a leader like Hitler had passion uh, and appealed to uh, the people he, he became the leader of, uh, who became the Fuhrer, because he said passionately, I can lead you out of this, uh, the difficulties that Germany was in at the time. And so our leaders saying the same things attract people who say, help, I need help. And this passionate leader says, I've got the answer, follow me. And he doesn't have to have intelligence. In fact, stupidity becomes a, uh, a very good quality. <clears throat> Indeed. You, uh, Kate, you kind of skirted that issue in that series you did with James Garner, didn't you? <laughs> His character was a, a, a somewhat of a populist look, uh, elected to a local government. He was a mayor. Mayor, yeah. Yes, I don't, I don't really remember much about that series, except I had one very lovely outfit. I burned my entire inner calf on a on a motorcycle ride, which had nothing to do with the series. And I made one of the greatest friends of my life, Kate Adair, the costume designer. So those are my recollections from that series. And James Garner was a wholly decent human being to me. Beyond that, I couldn't recall anything for you. It's all, no, it's all good. It's all good. So, and Christina, thank you very much. Uh, if you aspire to be a leader, then we hope uh, you, you've gotten some advice. Uh, what do we have next? And from Patty B., who do you feel you have learned the most from in your career, acting-wise? Hmm. 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 Bill, go. Uh, well, you know, uh, I hate to say this. I mean, I, I, I've yearned for somebody to, who do you, you know, the questions we get, who you look, who do, who was your favorite actor? Who did you look up to? What did you, uh, and, and, uh, with some distant exceptions, I, I, I don't know that there was anybody uh, that I felt I wanted to emulate or I wanted to learn from. It was uh, the school of hard knocks, like, oh, I better not do that again. Uh, mm. kind of thing, Rather than somebody learned who said, now here, you, uh, and this is what you should do, my boy. And uh, and there was a wise man who who taught me uh, that you do this move here and you poke him in the eye and you know uh, I, I had none of that I had no nobody uh, nobody to look to nobody to emulate nobody to, uh, uh, who gave you a hand up nobody gave me it was always uh, the struggle so it became an internal learning for me. Uh, and going along the lines of what, how we started off, of, I don't need to do that. I don't need to do this. I don't need that house. I don't need that car. I don't need, I don't need, what, what do I want? What do I need? I need my children. I need the love. I need the uh, affection of people. I need to, I need to uh, talk about things I really know. And I need my animals. And I, and it became myself teaching myself. Let me flip the question then for you, Bill. Uh, have you have you ever like given advice to another actor? Yes, all the time. And my advice is learn to do something else that you can profitably do because the chances of success are remote. But but in uh, in my child, one of my grandkids, one uh, and my daughter, for that matter, get an education learn a skill along with being an actor so that at times or maybe forever, you need to go somewhere else. You'll have a fallback position because acting is so tremulous acting. Being an actor is walking a tightrope and the breeze is blowing. It can become a wind and you can fall off the safety net underneath you is your ability to live uh, somewhere, uh, somehow, uh, somehow else. Because how many of us actors know other actors who've gotten 
to a certain age and it's not happening and they don't know what else to do. Indeed, indeed. So, uh, Kate, what's your precise? Anyone ever learned from anyone? Or well, inter- I think uh, it would be really um, injudicious of me not to mention my great acting teacher, Stella Adler, who uh, pulled the Iowa out of me, as she said she would. She throttled <laughs> it out of me. And uh, it was she who said to me when I dropped out of school, I dropped out of NYU at the end of my sophomore year, as well as conservatory so that I could become a professional actress. And she, from the height, from the magisterial height of her inherent greatness, looked at me and said, I fear for you. I fear that you will skate into Hollywood. And the greatness that was once there to be called will be lost forever. And when she said that to me, I said to myself, you really need to be on top of this thing. Don't get carried away. Try to keep your ego in check, which is the single hardest thing for any actor to do. Um, we're absolutely ego-ridden fools, most of us. Um, and I thought that if I could just get my arms around my ego, if I could just try to practice a scintilla of humility, and if I could stay in the field, like Bill says, Safety net or no, I'd manage. And I did. And I, I, although I respect what you say about encouraging young people to have a safety net and to get an education, I would argue that it's because we didn't have a safety net that we did well. It's because we well, lacked that. Education. And that is the conundrum that in order to do this thing, which is all artists, not just actors, but painters and and anybody in the arts who is trying to not only express themselves uniquely, but to please uh, whoever the audience is you're aimed at, uh, that you need to have a single-minded devotion. So you're torn between knowing something else and giving that time to knowing something else and not giving a damn about anything else because all you care about is uh, the art the art at which you're performing. So it is a conundrum, uh, and it's true. But uh, based on the numbers of people who can succeed, that if somebody out of the audience, if somebody that I don't know asks me for advice, that's the safest thing I can do. Rather but than no, say, who's, got, who's got the knowledge of the, those numbers? How do you calculate it? Who's going to make it? And who's not going to make it? Exactly. I would never be so presumptuous I, to say to any I, person, "You will or you won't." But far fewer make it. Than, far fewer make it than make it. And by and you have to define what make it is. What is make it? Yeah. What is well, make it? You can make a living at it. You've made it. Make a living at yeah. it. Exactly. It. Make a living. Yeah. I I I I would say this validity of both. My my take on it is always. If you want to pursue acting, that's fine. But always use, use that as the North Star. But always be aware of the subpass you could go down to. Uh, case in point, a few weeks ago, Andrea Romano, uh, who has become known as one of the best animation voice talent. Uh, I believe he worked with her on Batman, the animated series. She began as an actress and then she fell into this. You know, how many directors do we know that started out as actors and fell into directing and, and things like that? My whole thing is begin on the path, follow the star, but don't be afraid to follow the tide and the waters as well. And above all else, your heart, your sensibilities. Well, that's true, but I, I have to do this now. I just have to. Um, <laughs> I have to because I spent the last five years just uh, reading the classics. And, you know, Beethoven would not be Beethoven if he subscribed to that theory. We wouldn't have John McGarn, let alone James Joyce. We simply wouldn't have Wittgenstein, let alone Sigmund Freud. It is an unerring sense of the righteous path that that the artist has to be set upon. So I think that, you know, once you wiggle, once you wobble, you wobble, right? Right off the path. But, 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 and all that is true. But I just go back to the fact that the mass of people trying to, I'd like to be an actor. You hear, uh, you hear uh, uh, sports figures, uh, models, uh, people walking. Oh, I think I'll be an actor. Sure, that's great. You 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 have a desire to do something else. 
but the potential to wreck your life, the rest of your life, is so enormous that I'd rather say to somebody, protect yourself, as against don't protect yourself and go for it full-heartedly. Although I agree with you, Kate, you need to go through it for it full-heartedly, but the numbers... I think suggest- life is very short, Bill. Um, <laughs> actually... <laughs> <laughs> That's arguable. <laughs> it's debatable. Um, but I, I you know, <laughs> life is very, very short. And I think if you're going to set your cap, set it mightily, set it straight. Um, yeah. There you are. The age, yeah. There you are. At the age of 40, uh, no longer beautiful, no longer uh, 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 vital uh, uh, as you were when you were 25. And you're looking at at the uh, uh, down a, a street, and you're saying, "I don't know where I can live. I I'm trying to, and uh, I wish I had a child and a house that where I had roots. I'd love to have roots, and none of that is possible because you don't you can't afford it. You're you're living on unemployment or. You're, doing menial jobs that you wouldn't do ordinarily. Like all the Impressionists did at the beginning of the 20th century. That's how they lived. They lived in abject poverty. And they, and they followed their, and they followed their passion. But not only that, you have to make a choice. You have passion and there's an added element. And that is the, the world is much more complicated. So there was a time when if you were worked with your hands, you could make a living and, and, but now the the Western world is so complicated. You need to have information. You need an education. You need uh, you need to be taught a skill in order to to, to uh, put a roof over your head. And and that's I guess what I'm referring to. And if you I learn know. that, then you've taken away the time that you would have devoted to making appointments uh, and and doing auditions. So it is uh, there's no sure path, but it is a path. And at a certain age, I'd say around 30, you begin to realize, hmm, I'm not the 18-year-old I was, and I don't seem to be, and what am I going to do? And those are difficult times. Since we're on the subject, Bill, may I be so forward as to ask you this question? Um, Because I am sort of writing about this as well. Uh, Does one stay in the game forever, despite the fact that one's feet ache, You've developed scoliosis. Uh, one has aged, and one has done just about. One has met just about every uh, acting challenge one can meet. Does one stay in the game till the bitter, bloody end? Yeah, well, well, well how many uh, uh, re- not renowned, but how many popular actors do we know that grew out of their popularity because because of age? Uh, so they were the f- this beautiful flower at eighteen twenty two, and and then at thirty, uh, the eighteen year old that uh, they were is now coming up, and the thirty year old is now propelled into other roles, and the number of people available for those older roles uh, are are large, and the roles themselves are few, and there is a blockage at that tunnel, and. Uh, and there's a traffic jam and that traffic jam leads to poverty, suicide, disease. And there's a whole negative thing there waiting you. If you haven't made something done something. And in this world, that something is to have a little money to buy a, a house to, 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 to eat uh, properly. You know, it's, it's, it is, there's no question that the, that the you jump off that diving board and you're looking and you hope the pool, the water is in the pool because if it isn't, you'll land on your head. Is is it fair to say that people may use the same tools, discipline, passion, legitimate hard work. Those are the tools you start off with, but the path for everybody individually can be wildly different. Absolutely. We are wildly different. And, and, and those qualities which are enviable in any other profession doesn't do anything uh, as an actor because those qualities were the qualities you needed to be on in the theater. 
You needed to work on your voice. You needed to work on your motion. You needed to work, you needed to audition for jobs. You needed to you you made yourself available. Now anybody uh, uh, with a look, voice, huh? Is that your dog, Bill? I've got two massive Dobermans. They want uh, your attention. Yeah. They're here with you. No. <laughs> they, they they want to be actors, and I've told them they're dogs. <laughs> no, no, they don't. They don't quite believe it. <laughs> they are clearly your dogs. They are not taking that for an answer. Well, uh, <laughs> well that's what the kids they like. To uh, yeah. Well, Patty B, uh, we've certainly gone down a very interesting uh, uh, rabbit hole and a very interesting philosophical discussion on this. So uh, we hope we've given you some insights. And, uh, if, this, and if this is where you want, want to do, then may you always break a leg. And, uh, I, really? I, I loathe that expression, break a leg. Kate, you're, you're a, a historian. Where did that, where did that well, come from? I'm not a historian. Huh? Well, I mean, you know where these. Where did they come where? from? Where does break a leg? I hate that. Break a leg. You know, you know it as well as I do. What is it? I forgot. The court performer slash jester, uh, in order to uh, present the king or queen or whatever monarch was in, uh, was ruling at the time, needed to, of course, curtsy. But men could not curtsy. So they had to lower oh, their yeah. leg. You break and, a leg, you bow. Doing, I think there were a few. Oh, well, for goodness sakes. Well, how does that apply to have a good performance, break a leg? Or you'll take a bow at the end. Because we are so inordinately superstitious as a race. That you say the opposite of what you mean. Kate, I never knew that. You I never you. knew that. Oh, and if I'm asked now, who would I look up to? You know, who would I? Kate Mulgrew. Thank you. And the dogs are silent. <laughs> I told her to quit. Yes. <laughs> uh, a reminder to our audience if you would like to chat with our panelists like I am now or purchase a personalized autograph, please sign up now at galaxycon.com. I think we have time for one or two more. So let's roll another one. From Adrienne, what is your favorite holiday dessert or treat? This is a person who has been in COVID lockdown too long. <laughs> you got your, your taste back, right? You got your taste, uh, uh, smell. That was not affected. <laughs> no, unfortunately, really? my appetite remained undaunted throughout. What did you? <laughs> and what? Yeah. A good bit from Adrian. I think it's just fair to answer the question, which is: I love a nice piece of chocolate. I love a piece of chocolate. Dark or or white? Dark. Ooh. Really dark. Very dark. Dark chocolate. Dark. Sprinkled with a bit of sea salt, preferably, would be lovely. That's I'm a good treat. And potato chips on a low day are my all-time favorite. And I, and this is like unbeknownst to me, has crept crept up on me. The simplest, like a crisp apple or a a plum that is just ready to burst with juice, or a carrot that has just come out from the ground, still has edges of the dirt on it, and you wash it down, and you bite on it, and it crispy. The sound of that crisp carrot, yeah. that's what I want. You want the pure taste. I, I get the it. Yeah. Exactly. There's nothing like biting into that apple. I, I agree with you. That's true. Uh, I, I have a, a vivid memory of, uh, I was still in Canada, and I was driving somewhere in the fall, and in the fall in Canada, those apple trees are along the road. You can drive by, you stop, and you pick a, a, an apple off the tree. And I remember this Macintosh apple. That's about the size of my hand. It was red and green. And, and I remember the, the snap. The, pop. the snap, crackle, pop. flesh of a Macintosh is snow white. Snow white. And so sweet. Mm. And, 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 it reverberates in my head. It is the national anthem. It's the Canadian national anthem. Yeah, <laughs> the snap of a Macintosh. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Granny Smith fan myself, but. Uh... No, I used to like them. I liked them when I was pregnant, but they're very tart. They're good in the pie. They're very tart. But then. Yeah, so I, I love, that's what I love about them. Mm -hmm. a good, good bite. So, Adrian, thank you. That put us a fun one. And what do we have next? Oh, from our, our friend uh, Lisa, known as number one Trek fan. Oh, what is your biggest takeaway 
from 2020. No, well, we just don't have, we have, <laughs> it's crazy. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I have it. I know it. What is it? It's the focus that you have time to make. Now you can focus on the crispness of that Macintosh or the complexity of uh, of a, uh, the atomic bomb formula. It is, it is time. I'll give you an instance on riding a horse. The position of your feet and your legs is critical. And the slightest alteration is an alteration in everything. The horse feels, you feel, to focus on where is that and day after day to place that so it's totally in your unconscious. You get into the saddle and your feet are, I've had time to, to work on my seat and think, Wow, this is incredible. I'm not in a rush. It's taking the time to do whatever it is you're doing. You have time to do it. And now when the when the vaccines are there and you're back into the hurly-burly, remember that you had the opportunity, you still have it, to focus on something, some detail you would never think of because you have the time. And that, that really is... Uh, mindfulness. I agree that this imposed introspection has been nothing but uh, very, very productive on every level, most importantly, the philosophical. But if I have to give you my biggest takeaway from 2020, uh, it is to that I, well, that I have learned, and I thought I knew, but I didn't. I have learned that we are a deeply divided nation of people and that I am uh, a racist and you are a racist and everybody's got a little bit of that in them. Uh, we all have complicity in this deep division and I didn't think it was so severe because when I was a young girl and my father was the chairman of the Democratic Party I thought that this could never come to be, but it has come to pass. And I think once we all just step up to the plate and admit to our own complicity, uh, we can begin to repair what needs to be repaired. And just on that note, uh, for the people uh, and for myself, too, uh, that are listening, that we can begin the healing process right now. We can begin to look at people who, whose opinion is different. So your opinion is different. Why does that need to cause furor and hate and, and, and madness? Why can't you say? Why does it, Bill? Why does huh? it? Why does it? Why does it? Why does it cause that? Because you're saying that I'm wrong to hold this opinion goes to my the 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 vitals of my opinion of myself and if you think i'm wrong about my politics and you think i'm wrong about my food and you think i'm wrong about where i live and you think i'm wrong about my religion and now you don't think i'm wrong you think i'm wrong you think i what was the word she used the deplore you think i'm deplorable then i view you as a mistake and you view me as a mistake. And the and the subtle, but not maybe perhaps not so subtle implication is you should be deleted altogether. And that's what we get into when we get into these frantic moments of fury. We have to somehow remember that we're all the same. What when did we lose that? Exactly. But you can hold a different opinion and not and, be not be the enemy, for God's sakes. Right. Indeed. We have to get there, back to there. I remember I was I was on stage, and I had lived a joke about uh, I, I forgot it was, it was an innocuous joke about Trump. Uh, it, it was amusing. It wasn't insulting, but and somebody in the audience yelled ah, and it said he does. He was so upset that I did something humorous about somebody he loved. That instead of laughing and saying, uh, he was he shouted out in the in the audience something insulting, and I, yeah. and I spoke up to it. But hey, 
relax. I'm only, you know. Well, and- you bring up you bring up something very close to my heart. I wonder if you agree with me. I think you probably will, Bill. What's happened to our generic sense of humor? What's happened to being irreverent? Because it's just fun to be irreverent. You have a drink, you have a hoop, you have a kiss, you have a hoop, you live. We're going to die. What's, yes. We're so serious now. We're uptight, so uptight. Everybody's just... Relax, for God's sakes. And yeah. going back to life is so short, life is so short, so you hold a different opinion. And if you're, if, if you're in, in the popularity, great. Your opinion is uh, felt more strongly. If you're not as... Uh, if your voted, if vote is less popular, relax. You'll come around. The cycle will come around. Good Lord, man. Life is too short. You get crazed about. about well, maybe, maybe, Bill, it's necessary that we go through this part well, of, part of the news. The whole world does, but especially America does. Every so often it has a paroxysm of, and then it relaxes and things ease out. And then. It gradually builds like a wave. History is is cyclical, yes, and it will it will change uh, again a million times. Yeah, uh, uh, being a pinnacle and uh, indicative of the internet age when social media gave us all completely unwanted telepathy to what there, everybody else in the world is thinking. The difference that is the difference of this yeah. age to any other. This immediacy of being able to get not only give your opinion. But be anonymous. So you're not responsible for what you say and do. And that's hugely different. And that's what we have to deal with and and grow to. It does play on all sorts of bizarre chords within the within human nature, doesn't it? The digital world. I mean, I think it takes the ego and and, and contorts it. So violently, you don't know what's going on uh, because of your digital obsession, right? Do but, I want to be friended? Do I want to be hated? Do I want to be this? Who? I mean, it's to me, it's just a, a kind of madness. There's, there's another aspect to this, Kate, uh, and it, it it's happened twice. I was just uh, in March of uh, of this year, just as the pandemic was uh, hitting. I was in London. Uh, in the theater and uh, uh, performing. And I, I was seeing people afterwards and the kid came up and we knew now about uh, the, uh, the, uh, the virus, but things hadn't closed down. In fact, the next day, Boris Johnson closed it down. But this kid came up and, went, and pretended to cough and spit at me in a, in a direct effort to say, I'm going to poison you, even though they did or did because they ran off. Why did they do that to you? In the same way that in this uh, anonymous insult that you can make online by saying uh, you're a, a screw up and then not sign it and, and leave it or words worse than that. It was a desire to hurt, to maim this in this case with spit, but in all the other cases with words and my daughter, uh, my granddaughter, said somebody did that to her. So there's this dark. I mean, it could not have been in reaction to your perform. I mean, to what you were doing in the theater. No, no, no. no. Wow. It was just pure, utter blackness, meanness of spirit. How terrible! It's devastated by that. It's unbelievable, but. But you read these negative comments in in uh, in the social media, you you realize that, that that there's a lid that's been taken off uh, of some people's heads and outspews this this horrible blackness. And uh, that's why I refer to it as this unwanted telepathy. You know, we just they subject to them. Happens, yes. But and this is why Star Trek is. A good thing because it shows us a future where we as a society and as a people and as a race move past this we move past and we can live and let live with our differences we agree on human rights we agree on equality we agree on expression and we still reach to the stars and occasionally and beat the crap out of bug-eyed monsters that the deniers of of of, uh, of uh, climate warming uh deal with it just as uh just as negatively 
And unless they're convinced that we need to buckle up right now and clean things up, there won't be that future. So I just thought I might add that to the audience. We're all responsible for trying to make sure that we're doing our duty. I I will say this on your, um, to add to what you just said, Patty. Um, The longer I live after having played Captain Janeway, the more deeply I understand the importance of Star Trek. Um, I, who was perhaps even at one time cavalier, certainly ignorant, uh, have now learned not only about the fan base, which has taught me a great deal, but about the science of, of, of aspiration, about the science of possibility, and most importantly, about the science of change. So uh, I have a sort of newfound uh, and very deep gratitude for the whole thing. So I just want to say that before another second goes by. As I have had gratitude for this time. Number one Trek fan, thank you so much for the question. And GalaxyCon viewers, this has been my time with the captains of Star Trek, but it absolutely does not have to be yours. If you'd like to chat with our guests or purchase a personalized autograph, please head over to GalaxyCon.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out our schedule of upcoming events like this one. Uh, Bill, Kate, any final words for our audience before we go? I just gave mine. Thank you very much, Patty. You've been wonderful. Thank you. I don't have last words. Good to see you, Bill. (laughs) Bill, Bill, I, I believe Unexplained returns on January 1st with the new episodes. Unexplained on the History Channel, uh, uh, Love, uh, Death, and Horses. Uh, it will be the name of the, uh, the working name of the album uh, that will be out there. Uh, the Blues, uh, Shatner, The Blues is out there. Um, a new police uh, uh, show coming up. Uh, a lot of stuff. Look for good entertainment. You'll find me there. <laughs> As always, uh, Bill Kate, it's been my absolute pleasure to serve you both today. Thank you for joining us at the Galaxy Con virtual stage. Thank you to our audience for joining us, and thank you all for those great questions. Hope to see you later today. Galaxy Con Live will be hosting the guests of Star Trek and Rick and Morty actress Spencer Grammer. Thank you, everyone. Bye bye. Take care, and please keep washing those hands.